hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, episode number 177. Today we're answering the important and hard question, what should I do with my life? We're part of several gay and LGBTQ Facebook groups, and one of the main reasons we're in these groups is to know what our community is talking about, what queer people are feeling, and what our concerns are. And a reoccurring question we see in some of these groups is, what career should I choose? Essentially, many in our community are trying to figure out what they should do with their lives. Too many in our queer community, we fear, based on various studies that we're aware of, choose careers that they think they can get those within the realm of easy possibility. And why is that? Well, we have some theories outside of the scope of this particular episode, but what many in our community think they can get and what their true purpose is may be far apart. You see, we're all here for a purpose. Your being here on this earth, at this place, and this time, isn't some cosmic accident. And figuring out what your purpose is isn't a game like something you'd see on late night TV. But if you're taking the path most traveled, or choosing the career within the realm of easy possibility, then your purpose will never be fulfilled. And one can safely assume you may never be truly fulfilled. And many people, whether they know it or not, are going to have a void in their lives. To complement what you hear on this episode, please go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash 177 to download our free copy of the Fabulous Life Worksheet. It'll walk you through a series of exercises to help you figure out what your true purpose is and start living your most fulfilled life. Now, on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. So now that Debt Free Guys and the Queer Money Podcast are getting on people's radar, we're often asked, you know, how did you figure out what you wanted to do? How did you know that you wanted to help people with their financial situation? And looking back on it, I realized that me personally, I had been getting messages all throughout my life that this was something that I was supposed to do. It's just that it took me many, many, many years to realize that this was was what I was supposed to do and to actually then implement on it. You know, the first time I got any indication that this was sort of a career path that I should consider following was when I was trying to pick a major in college. My dad had suggested, hey, you've always talked about being a teacher. You understand and like working with money. Uh, You like helping people. So maybe you should become a financial advisor. And at the time, that didn't register with me. It, It didn't excite me because my picture of what a financial advisor did was wear a suit and tie and sit behind a desk a desk all day. And that really <laughs> did not inspire me. It wasn't until years later that I realized, oh, there's much more to being a financial planner and a financial advisor uh, than what I had envisioned. But with what I could comprehend at the time, that wasn't something that I pursued. Then four years later, or three and a half years later or so, I graduated college and I was finally on my own. And 
my grandparents gave me and my sister and our cousins each $5,000. It was their contribution or their seed money to help set us on successful lives as adults. And shortly after that, in 1999, I moved out to Denver, Colorado. I took that money with me and moved out to Denver, Colorado. And I moved out to Denver with no debt. Uh, I had no student loan debt, no credit card debt. I didn't have uh, any any other kinds of debt. And so I moved out there with a surplus of cash. But it was exactly a year after that, that I had already amassed $34,000 in credit card debt. Now, many of you have already heard the story that David and I realized that we had $51,000 worth of credit card debt between the two of us. Well, $34,000 of that was mine. Um, now, he had his debt considerably longer than I did, so net, we probably paid the same amount for our debt, um, but what I brought to the table was considerably considerably more. To provide some color to that sort of off the topic of conversation, I amassed that debt because when I when I moved out to Denver, this is sort of the real first official time that I was independent completely on my own. And I thought, well, I'm an adult now. I can't look and feel like I'm in college. I can't uh, hang posters with sticky tack on my wall. I must decorate my new apartment with adult things. And, and all my adult things had to come from Pottery Barn, including a $3,000 Pottery Barn couch. And the uh, main reason I moved out to Denver was because I liked snowboarding and I wanted to snowboard in some of the, the best mountains in the country. And so, of course, I couldn't wear the same snowboarding clothing and I needed uh, couldn't ride the same board and I needed new boots and bindings. So I had to get all that new stuff because I was in Denver. And then, of course, because I didn't know anyone, I needed to meet new people and make new friends. And so I got involved in the nightlife and going to restaurants and bars. And I always had to pay for all that on top of always dressing the part and, and uh, dressing well and having the right clothing and sort of all kind of spiraled out of control. And that's how I went from having that $5,000 plus surplus to having $34,000 in credit card debt. And shortly after I realized that I had amassed this much credit card debt, I kind of started getting over my depression. And one of the things that kind of get me out of my depression about that was I thought, this can't just be a mistake for no reason. There must be some purpose or some value to this. But I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I couldn't really articulate what that would look like. And I kind of just stirred it away in the back of my mind. At the time, I was working in retail, and that was safe and familiar. I didn't necessarily want to stay in retail my whole life, but I certainly didn't have the the gall to be able to do something on my own or to even pursue some random inspired dream that I had at one point. But lo and behold, just so happened that one of the kids that worked for me in the store that I managed, he had a mother in financial services working for a financial services firm. And he came into work one day and said, hey, my mom's company is hiring people. If you'd like an interview, uh, my dad or my mom can probably hook you up with one. And I thought, well, cool. I didn't really want to stay in retail my whole life, and I, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do other than that. And this seemed like, a, a, you know, hey, why not? I'll, I'll go on the interview, see how I do. If I get the job, great. If I don't get the job, no harm, no foul. At the time, the market was going crazy. It was during the dot-com boom, and the financial services firms were hiring anyone who could who could form a sentence. And I went in, uh, and despite looking very unprofessional, with long hair and dressed very casually, uh, they still hired me after my first interview. And I thought, wow, that was that was pretty easy. And then I started working for the firm, and I went through my new hire training and quickly was on the phones helping people. And it wasn't long after that, that I got my licenses and was able to start placing trades for people. And it wasn't long after that, that I got certified and I was able to provide advice for people and help them with their financial lives. And it was very inspiring and rewarding and very easy and very enjoyable. But I continued with that career and I thought, this is kind of where I'm supposed to be. This is I'll, I'll just follow this trajectory. 
And I remember one day coming home from work and turning on the TV, and it was uh, four o'clock, Oprah Winfrey was on, and I'll never forget this. She was interviewing the author of a book. The book was about people figuring out what their life's purpose is, what they were put on this earth for. And they had several of the people that were uh, written about in the book on the show to, to extrapolate on their story. And some of the people told their story and it was like, hey, I was walking down the street one day and I was I got inspired to, to open up a cupcake shop. And I was like, I like cupcakes, so I'm going to open up a cupcake shop. And it was very easy inspiration to execution story. Other people kept getting messages throughout their lives would start out easy and get progressively harder. And I remember one particular individual had a near fatal situation. And it was finally at that point that they realized, oh, the universe is telling me something. I need to do X, Y, Z. And it wasn't until they got to that situation that they finally executed on whatever their purpose was in life. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to do something better and bigger and I'm going to figure it out sooner. And I thought, you know, I've got this debt and I'm working to pay it off and, and there must be something there. But the show ended and I went back to my life and went back to work and um, I completely I forgot about it. You know, there was just no sense of urgency there at the point. And not long after that, that I ended up uh, meeting David and we fell in love. And it was just, to me, it was just weird that he was also in financial services, but it was also cool. And, you know, we were going about our lives and I was thinking to myself, well, he's in financial services. He must be doing better with my money than he is. I didn't realize until a year and a half after that that, uh, that he thought the same thing about me. But a year and a half after that, that we finally had the confession of we have $51,000 of credit card debt and we're financial messes. And you know that was a rock bottom moment that many of you have heard about. And that's a whole other story, but within that story, you know, after we kind of got on our, started getting on our feet and started figuring out a plan to pay off our credit card debt, one of the things that crossed our minds several times was it's not just serendipitous that we're both in financial services and we're both in this very similar situation. And I had said to David, you know, I think I've been getting these, these messages that this is something that I'm supposed to be doing with my life, but I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. And, you know, he kind of agreed and it was something fun to talk about that maybe we could start a business of our own someday or, or whatever. But, you know, we were at that point, that was not for us anyway, the appropriate time to, to start a business. We had to focus on paying off our debt. So closer to the time when we were wrapping up paying our debt off, uh, about two and a half years later, we thought, okay, you know, we do have this financial services background. So we know um, how m money works and we have a lot of theoretical knowledge. But we also have this personal experience that we've both gone through. And so we have a lot of practical knowledge. And the combination of the two might be a great service to a lot of people to help them who, other people who are in similar financial situations. And so we decided to write a book. And that was going to be our, our foray into sort of helping people. We had no idea at that point that writing that book would look like that free guys and queer money is today. But that was sort of the, the first execution on our inspiration. The thing was, is as inspired as we were to write that book, there was really no sense of urgency there. We sort of toiled on writing that book way longer than it needed to take, especially now that we write a lot. Um, we realized that we probably could have written that book in a hundredth of the time that it took for us to write it. And in fact, we, we weren't done writing that book. We probably would still be writing that book if the next thing hadn't have happened. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts 
have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. I had a great career in financial services. I loved working for the company that I worked for. Everyone that I worked with gave me great reviews. I was getting bonuses. I was getting promoted. It was just a wonderful situation. Up until my 11th year, where I got assigned to working on a new team. It was a smaller team that had just recently formed. And it was within a month or two of being on that team that I realized that this was a huge mistake. I don't belong on this team. The environment was very negative. Uh, the person I worked for brought a lot of negative energy to work. And I was her only direct report. And so she took a lot of her hostilities out on me. And it was looking back on it, I would say in some situations, it was near abusive. That wasn't a thing that you talked about at work at the time. And I never escalated it to an HR department. But a year after working on her team, I was depressed. I was stressed about work all the time. I was working a ton. I was going into work super early, staying in super late. And then on the weekends when I had off, I'm not someone who sleeps in abundance. I'm someone who sleeps pretty reasonably, you know, six to eight hours a night. Um, and that's fine. But I was sleeping all weekend long. Uh, I was very depressed. I was very down. And that's not, that's abnormal for me. And by this point, we had paid off our credit card debt. We um, had bought our condo and we had saved our emergency savings. And so we were in a much better financial situation than we had been uh, when we first met. And David finally said to me, he's like, you are not happy with what you're doing. Uh, you don't like your work. You're depressed and I don't like you in this situation. He said, if, if you want to give your boss your two weeks notice, you can do that. We have, we have the liberty of doing that. And I thought about that. So, wow, I do have the liberty of doing that. And it was nice that he offered to say, you know, we've got the financial support, but even if that fell through for us, you know, David was working full time. So we had a lot of resources. I didn't go in immediately to quit, but that started the conversation of, you know, if I were to quit, what would that look like? And sort of the more we talked about it, the more we thought, you know, this is another message from the universe that we aren't doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, we've been working on this book. It's time for us to wrap that book up and get it published and then start our business from there. Again, not knowing exactly what that business would look like, but that was going to be the first foray into our business. And so I went into work one day, finally, and I gave my two weeks notice. And the best feeling in the world was being when my boss said, well, what are you going to do next? Is to say, I have no plans to do anything next. So it was a, it was a great F you that I'm leaving and I have no plan B, at least as far as she was concerned, and I don't need to stick around with you. So that's a bit of knowledge to take with you. Um, one of the reasons to have an emergency savings account is that you can sort of, as a friend calls it, um, have that F you fund to say, I'm not staying here anymore. I don't need to put up with this. I've got resources to execute on something else. But that's another topic. Getting to that point sort of reminds me of a Les Brown story. And it's the idea that so many people are in very uncomfortable situations, but they're not in uncomfortable enough situations to do anything about it. And he tells the story of a man every day on his way to work would pass his house with an older couple sitting out front, drinking their coffee and reading their newspaper, and there was always a dog lying beside them. But the dog was always groaning. 
and he couldn't understand why. And day in and day out, he'd walk past and he'd say hi to the couple and hear this dog lying beside them groaning. So one day he said to himself, you know, if that couple's outside with their dog and that dog is groaning again today, I'm going to ask why that dog is groaning. So sure enough, he walks by, the couple sitting outside, drinking their coffee, reading their newspaper, and the dog is lying on the ground and groaning. And he says, excuse me, may I ask, please, why is your dog groaning every morning that I walk by here? And the one spouse says, that's because he's sitting on a nail. And the gentleman says, well, if he's lying on a nail, why doesn't he get up? And she said, well, he's lying on a nail and he's uncomfortable enough to groan about it, but he's not uncomfortable enough to do anything about it. And that's where I think a lot of us get in life. And what I see a lot in the Facebook groups that we talked about in the introduction, a lot of people are, are not happy with what they're doing. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing, and they don't do anything about it. They just continue to, to let their situation fester until it gets worse. And that story is a great analogy of most of us don't actually do something until the pain becomes hard enough. And for me, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, the pain became hard enough and I finally acted on it. So I told my boss, F you, I'm out of here. I went ahead and worked on the book and that was sort of got David and me on the path that we're on today. And none of this is to say that building Debt Free Guys and the Queer Money podcast has been easy. The success has not come easy, um, and I would not necessarily say that we've reached success, or at least our definition of success, but the journey has been wilder and more fun and crazier than we could have ever imagined. But best of all, for David and me, we look at it in that we're able to finally help people in our own unique way. We have a platform to really be of service to people to help them with Many Americans are struggling with credit card debt and financial insecurity, and we now have a platform that we can really, really help people, and that excites us. Um, and we enjoy doing what we do. We enjoy doing the podcast. We enjoy, uh, we enjoy our writing. We enjoy our public speaking. And so, not only are we able to help people, but the actual objectives of our job we find very re rewarding and fulfilling. And then maybe best of all, second best of all, beyond helping people, is the fact that we get to do it together. You know, one of the things that excited us about building our own business was that we wouldn't have to each go to separate offices every day and spend eight to 10 to 12 hours apart, only to have a couple of hours together in the evenings and the morning, and then some weekend hours, which more often than not, we were trying to, we were weekend warriors, right? We had to go out and have a really good time all weekend to make the most of it because Monday was coming up fast and furious. And so we wanted to be able to spend more time together and enjoy more of our time together. And we're able to do that now. And uh, it's that combination of value that has really provided us the, the rewarding life that we have. And all of that was inspired by our purpose, why we're supposed to be here. And my question to you is, what messages are you receiving? We're all given a purpose in this life, and you're not here by accident. And if you're not exactly sure why you're here, I can almost guarantee you that you have been getting messages throughout your whole life that you're supposed to do something. And if you open yourself up to it, if you pay attention to it, you can find what your purpose is. And not only will that be fulfilling for you, that'll be fulfilling and rewarding to countless other people. You know, another episode of Oprah, she interviewed Ellie Weissel. The two of them, he was a Nazi concentration camp survivor, and the two of them toured Auschwitz. 
And one of the memorials in Auschwitz was a pile of shoes. And they were shoes left from people who had perished. And Ellie Weitzel said that that memorial is not just about the people who perished, but it's about the books that were never written and never read. It's about the art that was never created. It's about the movies that were never made, or the businesses that were never grown, or the diseases that weren't yet cured because those people perished. Those things weren't created. So not only did those people perish, but what did mankind lose from those people perishing? And that's why your purpose is important, and why it's important that you find and follow your purpose and not take that path within the realm of easy possibility. So I beg you, look for the signs, listen to the messages, find your purpose. Not only will you be better off for it, but the world would be better off for it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Queer Money. Again, to help you find your purpose, and we hope that you do, go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash 177 to download our free Fabulous Life Worksheet. It'll walk you through a series of exercises to help you figure out what your true purpose is, and then start executing on it. Finally, Join us next week when we talk about how to talk about mom and dad's money. You won't want to miss it because, as studies suggest, just because you're queer, that responsibility may fall on you. We'll talk with you next week. To learn more about how our sponsor, Capital One, is reimagining their local spaces and experiences to have banking better fit your life, visit www.capitalone.com and follow them on social at Capital One Cafe. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.